0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: How many people are running for mayor of Chicago right now? 14. That seems like a lot. It is a lot. Jamie Calvin is a journalist in Chicago. This election is tomorrow.
0: You know, there's a first tier of maybe five or six who are are viable candidates.
1: It's been a mayoral election unlike any other, as a huge field of candidates competes to replace outgoing Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel. Next to- Actually, there are so many people on the ballot that they don't only get to speak face-to-face at televised debates. Some candidates get invited to a main event, and others are forced to speak from what's known as the kitty table. And a note before we begin, this isn't a traditional debate. There will be no opening or closing remarks. Each candidate...
0: Well, will we basically don't have a Republican Party in Chicago, you know, de facto. So really, the Democratic primary is the race.
1: And then everyone sort of accepts that there's going to be this runoff in a couple of months. Right. It all looks pretty chaotic from the outside, but Jamie says when you look a little closer, this story's simple. The race is about who gets justice in this city and the long history of police brutality and corruption here. Many of the candidates wouldn't be in this contest in the first place if it wasn't for the death of one teenager in particular. 16 shots. 16 shots. Laquan McDonald. There's new evidence in the police shooting that has sparked days of protest in Chicago. More
0: the decisive moment here was when the current mayor, Rahm Emanuel, on the eve of the trial of, in the Laquan McDonald case, announced that he was not running.
1: Laquan was murdered by a Chicago cop in 2014. Many said Mayor Emanuel botched the city's response to the killing. When he
0: stepped down, a lot of space was created. And a number of people, most of the candidates um, (coughs) who are currently on the ballot, jumped in at that point. And it actually felt like an expansion of possibility.
1: Today, Jamie's going to explain how Laquan McDonald's death has touched everything in this election, from who's on the ballot to how the candidates think about what's even possible for this city. I'm Mary Harris. You are listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So where would you start the story of this election?
0: I think it has to start when the full horror of the murder of Laquan McDonald was Finally acknowledged. And, you know, if you look at the electoral field right now, not only is the Laquan McDonald kind of the master narrative, the framing narrative in our civic life, you have several figures who are among the frontier candidates who, you know, were significantly involved in the Laquan McDonald story.
1: One candidate released the teenager's autopsy, proving he was shot 16 times by police. Another candidate was put in charge of the city's investigation into the murder. And a third candidate used to be the city's top cop. He was fired after Laquan McDonald's death.
0: And what was revealed in the aftermath of the the murder really had to do with the conduct of city government. Hmm. You know, there was the atrocity that occurred, but then there was the institutional response to what happened. I think it's inadequate to describe that as a cover-up. This was actually something more challenging in terms of change. You know, if it's a cover-up group of co-conspirators, vote them out of office, prosecute them as, as is appropriate. In this case, it really was standard operating procedure. It was a machinery that just went into motion as it had many, many times before.
1: The Laquan McDonald case is hard to summarize. It's so much more than just a police-involved shooting.
0: So in October of 2014, Chicago media reported, as it often does, on the police shooting of an African-American on the south side of Chicago. And the report was that a young man with a knife had attacked a police officer, lunged at a police officer. The officer had shot in self-defense And the boy died sometime later. Prompted by a tip from somebody in law enforcement, I began to investigate the story by way of a civilian witness and ultimately getting the autopsy. Was able to establish that, in fact, Laquan McDonald had been shying away from the police officers when shot, not attacking. And had been shot 16 times, most of the bullets striking him when he was writhing in pain on the ground. That was a story that I published in Slate in February of 2015, and it kind of set in motion a train of events that culminated close to a year later, 10 months later, with the release of a dash cam video, a video taken by one of the police cars that completely corroborated the description given by civilian witnesses to the shooting and the evidence of the autopsy. At which point, just a, a political implosion, unlike anything that we've ever experienced in Chicago, occurred and utterly changed the political landscape.
1: What did the city's reaction to your story reveal?
0: I think what it revealed is the city puts immense effort into imposing an official narrative. So there was a false narrative about what happened. An aggressive young man with a knife lunged at a police officer. The police officer shot him in self-defense. He died sometime later. Everything that happened in terms of the institutional response was really in the service of that
1: false narrative. And it was a false narrative that you saw sort of not just from the police but from people in political power as well it became repeated and echoed back
0: from the officers on the street who shoot away witnesses to the shooting without taking statements or even contact information to you know at the highest levels of government the chief lawyer for the city entering into a five million dollar settlement with the family of laquan mcdonald conditioned on not releasing the video everything was in the service of maintaining that that narrative and when it blew up i mean some larger narrative about the about city government about the police about the relationship of of citizens to their government also blew up you know we talk about police reform we talk about police community relations the terms don't seem adequate what we're really living inside of in Chicago, is a crisis of the civil order. Hmm. It's really that profound. It's It has to do with the legitimacy of key institutions and the struggle for a process to make those institutions accountable, but also to regenerate legitimacy. It's a big, big moment. And I think that pervades this election.
1: Well, it's interesting that you say that, because in the last couple of months— we've seen at at least the criminal justice level this playing out in an interesting divided way, where you have the cop who shot Laquan McDonald, Jason Van Dyke, found guilty, but then you have the cops who perpetuated that narrative, who sort of put this structural system into gear, they were found not guilty. And so you're saying the city's at this precipice of change, but at the same time, you can also see the system pushing back.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very mixed I don't want to suggest for a moment that you know it's a forward march of progress. W- what it is, is an extraordinary opening.
1: So let's talk a little bit about how all of this has started to just infuse the mayoral campaign because I don't I don't think it's a surprise to people that Chicago has a problem with violence especially violence in particular parts of Chicago violence against particular residents of Chicago President Trump is of course known for characterizing the city as kind of a hellscape of crime which gets a lot of things wrong I think yeah how is this playing out in the mayoral campaign. Because some of, one of the things that's not as covered as much is the fact that as the violence has ramped up, families, especially Black families, have started leaving the city.
0: If there's any central unifying theme right now, I think it has to do in this hyper-segregated city with the unequal distribution of, of public resources and kind of apartheid justice system where the, the very same police officers conduct themselves differently in, in certain neighborhoods relative to others. So there's, there's actually no way to get at the issues that are central to what I described as a, as a crisis of the civil order without addressing fundamental questions of, of racial justice and racial equality.
1: So if you're outside of the city, you may be focused on the violence issue. But I think what you're saying is that inside the city, especially in this mayoral race, the focus is on these structural issues of segregation that kind of make the violence possible. I've noticed that uh, the mayoral candidates are being asked about something called aldermanic privilege, basically the idea that your local representative can kind of keep certain people out of your area, this kind of nimby idea. So is that a way that we're seeing it play out? How are you seeing it play out?
0: A lot of energy in this election is directed towards electing new new aldermen, alder people. And that could be a very interesting dynamic. I mean, Chicago is distinct in that a huge amount of power is concentrated in the mayor's office And the city council is relatively weak, and it's kind of a a de facto sort of patronage arrangement where aldermen can kind of function uh, in their own little fiefdoms, Hmm. as long as they're not contesting the centralized power of the mayor. You know, we were mentioning the different candidates who were in one way or another involved or implicated in the Laquan McDonald story, there's a widespread perception and, I think, warranted in the black community that aldermen were also complicit. I mean, I sat in the city council when the chief lawyer for the city presented the rationale for settling with Laquan McDonald's family. There was not a single question from an alderman, just as is the pattern. They simply signed off on the the settlement.
1: Why was it significant that an alderman didn't ask a question?
0: Well, a settlement is a way of removing these cases from public and judicial scrutiny. I mean, nobody nobody begrudges victims and their families' compensation to, in some small way, address their loss or their suffering – but really the the way in which that has worked the the settlements coming out of the city law office has been just part of the machinery by which these cases and the the lives impacted just disappear
1: it's interesting I'm looking at the mayoral race and not a lot has changed under mayor Rahm Emanuel and then the front runner in this race is Bill Daly and you know candidates named Daly have won 12 different mayoral elections in Chicago <laughs> since 1955. It seems yeah. it's not really, it's not looking like change.
0: This election is truly up for grabs. You know, you have uh, four or five candidates who are, I, I'm not sure tied is quite the right term, but based on the most recent polls are, are all within the margin of error, but, I mean, Daly is the leader in the sense that he's raised significantly more money than other candidates, which I think reflects that he is the candidate of sort of corporate Chicago. But these other energies are in play. I've been struck by a phenomena which I think is just a deep human thing, which is that When we as human beings come to comprehend profound harms that are part of our our society, we have this natural desire to want remedies that are somehow commensurate with the harms. We want some big transformative thing. And I think those transformative remedies just aren't on the menu.
1: Jamie Calvin, thank you so much for telling me all about the Chicago election.
0: It's been my pleasure.
1: Jamie Calvin is a journalist with the Invisible Institute, a production company on the south side of Chicago. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. Go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. We love reading them. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Mary's Desk. Happy Monday. Talk to you tomorrow.